Good evening, everyone. I would like to warmly welcome you here to the annual Holocaust Memorial Day event at the University of Aberdeen. I'm privileged to have been asked to introduce the event on behalf of the university. This event is jointly organized by the Interfaith Center, the University and College Union, the University Chapel Choir, and the Students' Association. And I would like to thank them all for their efforts in putting this program together. Each year, the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust chooses a different theme to enable audiences on Holocaust Memorial Day to learn something new about the past. Every theme is relevant to the Holocaust, Nazi persecution, and to each subsequent genocide, and has the life stories of those who were murdered and those who survived at its heart, as well as the experiences of resistors, rescuers, and witnesses. This year, the theme is One Day. Holocaust Memorial Day is one day, 27th of January, that we put aside to come together to remember, to learn about the Holocaust, Nazi persecution, and the genocides that followed in Cambodia, Rwanda, Bosnia, and Darfur, in the hope that there may one day be a future with no genocide. We learn more about the past, we empathize with others today, and we take action for a better future. Survivors of the Holocaust and of genocide often talk about the one day when everything changed, sometimes for the worse and sometimes for the better. It may be hard to pick out just one day, as for many to keep going through each day was a huge struggle with no end in sight and no glimmer of hope that the next day would be any better. For many, one day was grindingly and dully like all the others, with no chance of improvement or change. One day seemed to last for years, and every day of their life was a day of suffering and torment. Those who were targeted and persecuted held out for the one day in the future, when all their suffering would be over, hoping they would all see the day of liberation. On Holocaust Memorial Day, we learn from genocide for a purpose, to build a better future. When we look ahead to one day with no genocide, what do we need to do today to achieve this? We can use this theme to motivate us to speak out when we see injustices, prejudices, and identity-based violence. On Holocaust Memorial Day 2022, this one day, we will all come together in our communities to learn from the Holocaust and genocides for a better future.
First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. I kept on walking as she threw a stone, for it was not thrown at me. I kept on walking past the man who groaned as he was hit behind the knee. I kept on walking past the rundown homes I had somewhere else to be. I kept on walking as I clutched my phone and pretended not to see. I kept on walking as the words were thrown, every insult, every plea. The wounds they inflicted were not my own and nothing to do with me. I kept on walking when the rage had grown till the bodies filled the streets. I kept on walking over skulls and bones, ash and blood beneath my feet. I'll keep on walking from the things I've known but refused to really see. I'll keep on walking, but I'm not alone. You're keeping step with me. Auschwitz. The Romanies were tattooed with a camp number. Their heads were shaved and their possessions taken away. Families were not separated at that time. The Romanies also wore their own clothes with black triangles sewn on and a zegt or ziginuner tattooed on the left arm. No reason was given for the herding of Romanies into their own camp 
with their own electric fence. Conditions were atrocious, even by Auschwitz standards. In camp, when a selection of people for work took place and families had to be separated, there were moving scenes full of suffering and tears. The gypsy would come down and be comforted only when told they would be together later on. The imprisoned gypsies were often shrunken to skeletons. I went to the kitchen and I found that the food did not contain the prescribed calories. I wrote a memo immediately, but Hart Junston, the commander of Birkenhaw, said, Ah, oh, they're only gypsies after all. Rudolf Hess, SS Commandment. The children especially attracted the interest of the infamous Dr. Mengele and were the victims of his so-called research. Allegedly, he was devastated when the orders came for their mass murder. Nevertheless, when the time came, he hunted them down and the uncle, Pepe, they trusted, drove them to the gas chamber. The gypsy men would accompany our singing while their woman danced. For this, we would throw them bits of onion and cigarettes. And one night, the gypsies were taken away and burned. And that night was the 2nd of August, 1944. Polish survivor. In Auschwitz, there is a large house. And there, my beloved sits, sits, sits and thinks and forgets about me. Oh, you Blackford, take this letter for me. Take it to my wife. Say that I am imprisoned in Auschwitz. In Auschwitz, there is much hunger and we have nothing to eat not even a piece of bread, and the block leader is very bad. Poem originally written in Romany. It's going to rain with Valdemar Kalinin. It's about to rain, getting darker. The leaves have long fallen from the trees, leaving desolation where just an old man roams picking handfuls of earth where Roma perished. During this war, the Nazis, they took them and they shot them dead and the Roma seized and put them in wagons, oh, filled with children and the Roma old, no mercy shown to a single soul, buried here, auntie, grandpa, granny, but God spared a small one who visits to imagine the perished wait for him. No monument stands except in the minds of the old. Woods and land bore witness. This older man declares, Roma are buried here. Don't disturb this land. The semi-quaver chugging of the train on the track and the people on board who will never go back and the terror in the eyes of all the young ones to go, with the, no one knowing as the train comes to slow. Those men at the station, as the ramps drop down, where humanity lost is the only crippled sound. Hope gone for those who stand behind the hard, sharp wire, and the smoke in the towers rises just a little higher. And the blue ink stabs a little harder in the skin above the veins of despair where murder let it in and the terror in the eyes of all those about to leave 
and another train on the track, no last minute reprieve. The slow crot chugging of the train on the track and the people on board who will never go back. sound of battle from this foreign dell as we tread again the Belson grass, remembering comrades, young men all, who died to reach this awful hell. Hallowed now for eternity as the clouds from memory swiftly pass. Listen then, can't you hear the silence here around telling us of terror and ancient bestial fear how real is this silence that permeates from underground? 
only 50 years ago, but now forever the silence condemns. For here they lie anonymous, neath the soil as we reverently bow, remnants of a living dead whose silence still transmits, transcends. Listen to the silence still and lift your head on high. Are you waiting for a question or an answer and a void to fill? Quicken then the pulse, breathe deeper still. Answer the silence to question, why? The one-day theme for Holocaust Memorial Day 2022 enables us to focus and perhaps understand Holocausts and their impact a little bit more. We are encouraged to think of one person, one event, one pivotal day. 
On hearing of this theme, I thought of events of one day told to me by my mother about her old boss, Gerard Hind. In the 1950s, my mother worked in the dress trade in London. She started as a model, often working in shops and warehouses, demonstrating the latest clothes for prospective purchasers. After meeting her a few times as a fashion buyer and distributor, Gerard Hines suggested she come to work for his company in an organisational and managerial role. He became her boss, her mentor and her lifelong friend. They argued constantly the clash and quick reconciliation of West Coast Irish and Central European personalities. But what happened that one day in the past? Gerard Hind was a German Jew. One day, this young man received word that he was to leave work immediately and flee to London. He was prepared. Jewellery had been sewn into his coat, a practical solution to enable transfer of at least some assets. Jews were taxed heavily after the financial collapse of the 1930s and emigration taxes made leaving the country with money virtually impossible. Perhaps these were family jewels, heirlooms, or perhaps bought for this purpose as they were small and valuable, easy to conceal en route to England and a way to avoid robbery. The jewels may have been in place for months and Gerard would have been wearing that coat to work every day. His younger sister Stephanie was already in London living with a family, but he never saw the rest of his family again. They all died in the Holocaust. The events of that one day enabled him to live, but it would also have been the day that started the terror and horror of being transported to a concentration camp for his mother and father and to their eventual death. This must have been preceded by months and even years of increasing incredulity and fear, but this time did result in preparations being made for Gerard. What must, have been, what must it have been like getting the message to leave? How did he get the message? Who passed it on? What conversations had preceded it? Was Gerard tempted to go home, to help or say goodbye? Did he didn't know the route he would take to London? How did he travel? How long did it take? I am saddened that I actually know few details about Gerard Hines' home, family or his occupation as a young man in Germany. But in London, he joined with other Jewish immigrants, I think already in the garment industry. I recall being told that one person in their business bought a single blouse from Marks and Spencers and then unpicked it and put it together again many times in order to learn how to create a similar garment for sale. In time, he became a very successful businessman, focusing on the distribution side of the fashion industry. I know in later life, he loved travel, photography, fine dining and cars. Neither he nor his sister ever married, but shared a flat in Hampstead. He died just short of his 100th birthday and had been planning a party to which my mother had been invited. The gaps in my knowledge about Gerard Hind are representative of the wider gaps in our knowledge of the Holocaust. All the stories and lives we cannot fully know about because of the deliberate efforts by the Nazis to hide and destroy knowledge of the Holocaust and the number of people who were killed and so un are entirely unable to tell their stories. I am telling Mr Gerard Hines' story because he is a Holocaust survivor. I could not tell his story if he had not survived 
And that is what makes memorials like this one important. It gives us a chance to reflect on what we do know, whilst knowing that there are millions of stories and lives that are entirely lost to us. The theme prompts us to think about and visualize one day, one incident, one person, out of tens, hundreds, thousands, millions killed in all of the Holocausts. And as well as those who were targeted and put to death, there is the implications for their family and their wider connections, the grief of loss, the guilt of survival, the trauma of knowing and not knowing what happened to others in the death camps. Do Not Stand at My Grave and Weep is a Holocaust poem and elegy which recognises the particular grief of those who have not been able to conduct ritual and memorial. It was written in 1932 by Mary Elizabeth Fry. As far as is known, she had never written any poetry before, but the plight of a young German-Jewish woman, Margaret Schwarzkopf, who was staying with her and her husband at the time, inspired the poem. Margaret had been concerned about her mother, who was ill in Germany, but she had been warned not to return because of increasing anti-Semitic unrest that was erupting into what became known as the Holocaust. When her mother died, the heartbroken young woman told Fry that she would never have the chance to stand by my mother's grave and shed a tear. Fry found herself composing a piece of verse on a brown paper shopping bag and later explained that the words just came to her and expressed what she felt about life and about death. Do not stand at my grave and weep, I am not there, I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow, I am the diamond glints on snow, I am the sun on ripened grain, I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds and circling flight. I am the soft star shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Gerard Hind could not stand at a grave and weep for his family, for his mother. It may have been years before he knew who had died and when and how. Yet when confronted with a situation, he sought reconciliation. And I will end by telling this one other snippet of his life story. One day, Gerard picked up a hitchhiker, a common occurrence in the 1960s. He soon discovered his passenger was a German student. My mother, in recounting this story, says he endeavored to show hospitality and courteousness to this visitor to England, which was now his country. He not only provided transport, but invited the young man to have a meal en route at a restaurant. He, of course, did not reveal his background or family story, but made this gesture of reconciliation and peace, of which his passenger was unaware. Let us all recall one person, one day, one event, and in so, and in so doing, recognise the Holocaust millions.